Welcome to the Creativity Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Regan. This is my lovely co-host, Jeremy Cook, and we have with us today Zachary Hips from the Bite Sized YouTube channel. And I'm pretty excited because I'm going to be asking him about that do-it-yourself one wheel that he's built, but I don't know if we're going to be doing that right away. Uh, we're probably going to ask Zach how he's doing. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing well, Pat. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. <laughs> you, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, like your uh, background and what you sure. what you do yeah. for real? So I uh, run a YouTube channel called Bite Size, but before I was doing that, I was an electrical engineer. I still am an electrical engineer, but I am doing uh, more and more of the YouTube stuff these days. Um, but yeah, my background is in engineering. I worked for a lot of different engineering companies and mostly in Department of Defense, contracting, that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of military communications equipment um, professionally, but uh, on the side, I've always been tinkering around with various projects, um, always have something going on and, and something that's exciting for me to work on. And so I decided uh, probably in 2016, 2017, that I wanted to start documenting those projects. And actually, it was a good way to hold me accountable for finishing the projects. Was, <laughs> I was like, I always start projects, but I never finish them. So I, th I thought to myself that starting a YouTube channel would be a good way to hold myself accountable for finishing those things. So And then also document it along the way and hopefully... Uh, inspire people to to make things uh, as they watch my channel. So yeah, I've been doing YouTube for three or four years now, and and really enjoy it. Nice. So you, are you a full time creator now, or are you? Do you still have a, a normal normal job? So I I'm currently yeah kind of full time creator. I do a bit of uh, freelance engineering work uh, just here and there as it comes up, but yeah, nice. mostly mostly content creation. Okay. Very cool. And it seems like you do a wide, wide range of products. I mean, from woodworking to electronics to uh, the one wheel, which we'll get into later. Um, and I guess, I guess you've been pretty successful about it. So, I mean, how do you, how do you think you've, you've been able to do that without getting into too much of a, a single niche? Again, it just seems like a lot of people do kind of get into one, one area, but it seems like you've kind of, I guess, branched you know, out. I Zach, every time a guest is on this podcast, they make fun of Jeremy for having such a wide array of things because <laughs> they focus on laser focus on one topic, yes. like one niche of a topic. Right. Some, sometimes I mean, literally in, laser focus. <laughs> yeah. My, my interest just varies so much. I have a broad, I just love learning new things and new, you know, tools or, or methods or, or materials to work with. And I'm always just excited about you know how many different things there are out there that I don't know. So I, I, I love learning new things. And so, yeah, I kind of do a little bit of everything. I haven't done as much woodworking recently. Uh, I, I enjoy woodworking, but uh, as far as content creation goes, those videos didn't do as well as, as my more technology, you know, electronics and, and stuff, those type of videos did. So I kind of started to shy away from doing those just because they didn't perform as well, and which is kind of a bummer, but. Right. I guess I asked that a little bit selfishly because I've been getting into more uh, printed circuit board design and more maybe more technology focus in a lot of my stuff. But um, I was building a, a I've been building a bunk bed for my kids, and it's a really cool project. But at the same time, it's like, oh, do I shift into that right now and do a video on it? Although I, I think it'd be a good video in its own right. But as far as how it perform, I you know I don't know. It's yeah. I guess it's I wondered if you had about, any. Yeah. It's not always about performance too. You got to do what you enjoy doing and, and, and post it. And if you know, there's an audience out there that will somewhere that will enjoy it. So there's, there's a balance there of finding things that you enjoy. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. Cause I, I feel like I just go, I do a crazy if, if I just did the same thing all the time, I, I think I'm a little like you, I, I'm a mechanical engineer by background, but honestly it's, um, you know, we had a guest on proto G, um, and he, he had an electromechanical engineering degree, which wasn't even offered at my school when I went to engineering school. But it's like, wow, that sounds like exactly what I wanted to do. Something like, you know, just learning about everything. Although I, f I yeah. feel like mechanical engineering is in some ways kind of like that because you can branch out to so many different areas. But yeah, you know. I actually started out in school studying mechanical engineering. I thought that that's what I wanted to do. And I got a good way through it and and then I would go home and, and that's about the time that Arduino was starting to become popular and so I'd come home and I'd be like playing with Arduino boards and then I'd go to school and be learning thermodynamics and I thought to myself you know I, I think I'm in the wrong thing I, I really enjoy this electronics 
stuff a lot more. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually, uh, believe it or not, I actually passed thermodynamics twice because <laughs> um, I, I started out in chemical engineering and um, I took thermo, the chemi version of that. And then I think I got a C in it. I'm like, well, I should probably take the mechanical en- engineering version since I, you know, whatever, I'm transferring. Maybe it's a little different. And I, I remember, I think I got, I think I got like a 97 or 100 in the first test in mechanical engineering. And then I think I got like a 60 something on the second because I thought I just had it, you know, yeah. understood all of it. But yeah, anyway. engineering school, that's a whole other topic that, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that we I, could... I talk a lot about. <laughs> Yeah, I, I struggled. I struggled so hard in school, and yeah, it was well, it was tough. It's it's an interesting thing because I feel like you know may, maybe you're the same as me. I, I don't. I think some people go into engineering because they're very good at math, and somebody says, "Oh, you should go into engineering because you can you can do it." But I I was okay at math, but it was more like I wanted to make stuff, and that yeah. was the route I had to go through to get that education. And I I yeah. think that's. I think there's kind of two ways to approach. There's many ways to approach it. I guess some people to get an engineering degree because they want to go to med school later. You know, it just yeah. I feel like you have to have a real passion for for making things and and problem solving to to kind of go through engineering school. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Oh, I wanted to ask you too. Just getting back to the video thing, you you did uh, at least one short video, or, or maybe you did more than one short. What what do you think of that? That's a new thing from from YouTube, right? Man, I. I struggle to keep up with all the trends and the new different, you know, ways of uploading video and stuff. I created my first short, uh, actually about the one wheel and cause I always kind of create, um, shorter promotional, you know, like less than one minute promotional video, just a kind of a cut down version of my longer form videos. And I'll usually upload those to like Instagram or, or, um, you know, I actually only only upload to Instagram and YouTube, but um, yeah, so I figured, hey, I've already got this short form video, so I uploaded a short, and it got almost as many views as as my as my full length video. So I was like, hey, maybe this is something I need to be doing. So it it wasn't that much extra work for me since I already had, you know, that content to be uploaded. So, but it's, right. it's something I'm figuring out. But yeah, they're they're kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I'd agree with that. I, I posted one. It did it did quite quite well for by my standards but then i don't know but then like like if you search for jeremy cook like all of a sudden i wasn't coming up first in the search results anymore like some other other guy i'm like wait did that have something like now youtube thinks like i'm only all about shorts and they got to prioritize him when you when you asked me about shorts i almost went into dad joke mode and said no i prefer pants <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, full yeah. length long pants <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I, I saw the video of your one wheel. It's it's just your your legs on top of the you know on one clip. It's just you you balancing there. So I don't know. It's something I I'm definitely will be experimenting with and figuring out if it's something that uh, is beneficial. Right, yeah, and it seems well, you, to be you, changing a lot what YouTube is doing with the shorts and how they're promoting yeah, them and, and where they're whatever the magic and, algorithm mm-hmm. is doing with them. Yeah, they used to prefer longer form videos, you know, like you need to make a 15 or 20 minute video and now everybody's consuming these short little bits and pieces, so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess at the end of the day, it's like you just, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you do what you gotta do and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, That's... I try not to stress too much about chasing trends and stuff because I need this, I want this to be sustainable for me. I want to enjoy it and, and do it for a long time. And if I'm constantly trying to chase a trend or do something that I'm not happy with, then it's not going to, not going to last forever. So I, I tend to not worry too much about it. I just kind of make my content that I enjoy and, and hope other people do too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly, certainly a lot of people do. So it seems like, seems like you've got a pretty decent subscriber base. That's, that's, that's awesome. So yeah, it's taken a long time <laughs> to grow it, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's getting there. So I've been going through Zach's catalog and, there's a lot of cool stuff. I re- and I didn't even know it was yours at the time, Zach. I remember your Arduino Giga showing up all oh, yeah. over social media a while yeah. back. That was really cool. And I was pretty excited about your uh, giant Raspberry Pi hand crank display. I oh, thought that was super cool. Yeah, for, for Pi Day, it displayed yep. the digits of Pi. Yeah. How, how many digits of Pi did it display? All, all of them, <laughs> My Jeremy. limitation them. was... Excellent. All infinity of them. Yeah, my limitation was how many circuit boards of seven segment displays I was willing to solder up. So, my limit was I think I got four hundred digits, uh, 
Yeah, so it was a lot. Oh, man, that was a lot of circuit board soldering. And, uh, but yeah, I kind of daisy chained them together and, and made a little hand crank that kind of displays that, you know, you crank it and the digits kind of start going out further and further and further. The hand crank neat. was genius. Absolutely <laughs> I, genius. I, I thought about, you know, how can I make this like, you know, like visually interesting? Like, oh, you have to interact with this thing. Cause I mean, yeah, I could just sit there and display the digits, but I wanted it to be kind of interactive. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of rotary inputs, as Pat as Pat knows. Um, That's yeah. true. Oh yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I guess I guess I could almost picture like at a Maker Fair or something like just having people like solder one more one more digit on the pie, and then like by the there end you go. you've got whatever. Actually, yeah. that'd be pretty oh, that cool. Oh, that would be cool. That would be really cool. There you go. So you can uh, you can expand that. Right, yeah. Do you do you ever make any live appearances or anything? I mean uh, that. You ever go to, I don't Have know. I, you ever go to maker fairs or anything like that? I, so, yeah, I I am kicking myself because you know I I had lived I lived on the East Coast. I was I was uh, near New York Maker Fair for so many years, and I'm like, oh, you know what? This year I'm going to go. This year I'm going to go. And then I never went, and I never went, and then I finally went in twenty uh, is it twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? One of their last ones. Okay. And, uh, and, and enjoyed it. I, I got to meet a lot of people and just, you know, it was really cool to kind of feel, Hey, this is my community. You know, it's, it's oftentimes as creators, you know, you don't get to meet up with very many people and it's like, here's a bunch of people that are like-minded and, and share the same passions that I do. So I, I enjoyed it a lot and I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely coming back. And then they got canceled. <laughs> so I wasn't able to go back. Um, yeah. Well, I, I was actually at that one. I had a, uh, had a press pass, which I don't know, seemed kind of seemed kind of interesting, I guess. Did you have the hat with the little, you know, the press card up in the hat and the little notepad? And no, I didn't have the hat. It didn't really. I don't think it really got me anything. I, I remember. <laughs> I don't know if it was that 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 one, but there wasn't like. It was like one. It had like the, like the extra special maker area, and I don't think I had access to that, even though I had maybe a, you know, like like for actual actual famous people, I guess. You have whatever. to have at least a million subscribers to go past that uh, that line. Uh, yeah, I, I did or, see. Um, well, it is funny. Like you see, like you're like, oh, I know that guy from that video, and like I know that guy, and you you see like people that you know from from whatever from different stuff. So it was, you know, kind of kind of neat, I guess. I'm going to an event like that, and I wasn't, you know, expecting to run into so many people that I recognize, and I. I had a really hard time not being a fanboy and like, you know, <laughs> freaking out, but it was, it was fun to meet a lot of people. Yeah. And well, I, I, I've also been to, um, workbench con, uh, in Atlanta for the last couple of years, which is more, I mean, it's not really a, it's, it's more geared towards content creators and, and, and so it's, it's, they have, they offer classes and, and that kind of stuff. So it's not really a more, it's not a general community. Oh, okay. More, yeah. I've specific. heard of that. I've, I've never been to it. I've, I guess mostly stick to the maker fairs or, or, or nothing these days. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah. What about your gear for creating videos? What sort of cameras and lighting and stuff do you use? How invested in that are you? I I tend to be pretty basic because um, you can sink a lot of money into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of have a, a DSLR, a Canon, like the Rebel T7i. Okay. Uh, you know, DSLR, it's pretty entry level. And then I have just a kind of a, a, a more affordable lav mic. I can connect to that. And then lighting, I, I installed just uh, LED lighting on my ceiling. I don't usually use any uh, lighting panels or soft boxes or anything like that. It's just they usually get in, get in the way. So, I, yeah, I just used uh, just LED lighting up on the ceiling. Um, and, yeah, I just go with it. This has been on my mind because doing this kind of video, I've been trying to make myself look more presentable every time. So yeah. I keep doing, making little changes around. So I keep thinking about this stuff. Yeah. You, at the beginning, before we started recording, you showed me, you had a little, it was like a, po a white poster board you were you using as like a fill, like a bounce card. Yep. And I'm using Jeremy's uh, keypad here to control my, uh, uh oh, it's not plugged in. I'm hitting it like it's going to work, but I unplugged it to show you guys <laughs> earlier. It doesn't work not plugged in. Yeah, well, mine's pl mine's plugged in, so. I can notice a definite glow on your face, uh, on your face, Pat. There's a definite uh, radiating glow. You're looking very nice. Very. Oh well, well thank lit. you. But yeah, so macro pads only only work when they're hooked up, I, I guess. But 
It's so what do you guys use those for? Is that just is that mainly for the podcast here? What what do you program into the macro pads? So yeah, this is uh, something I've been working on. I call the JC Pro Macro, and that's upside down. And basically, it's like in this, I've got here I've got the volume of uh, of my output, and then I've just got like play, pause, and fast forward for like media and stuff. So I'm not I'm not actually using it for the podcast per se. It's something I've just been okay. kind of developing. So yeah. I'm, pretty happy with it though so. and that's that's programmable I, i'm guessing you can assign yeah yeah exactly it's got a it's just got a pro micro board on there like like in the middle An arduino arduino yep. so you can you can program to anything you want in fact i've got a um one of the modes i've been using is the final cut pro final cut pro mode and that kind of like lets you scroll around uh frame by frame with the, the knob and stuff so it's you know something i've been experimenting with and it's pretty yeah. happy with it so far very cool. So, I got all excited oh, about macro pads when we started podcasting, when I was using OBS and when we were doing all kinds of figuring out how to, but then we started using this riverside.fm to uh -huh. do all the scary stuff for us. And I, I can't use this. <laughs> oh, it does. It's not, <laughs> there's not really exactly. much to do with it. And it used to be terrifying when we used to record the podcast kind of manually, like with a Google yeah. hangout and re screen recording and stuff. I was always worried that, you know, I was going to forget to hit record or it was going to fail yeah. or, you know, I was going to move a window over the top of something and then we wouldn't see things because the screen grab would grab the wrong thing. I, oh, this yeah. Is, this has well, been the, fantastic for making me less takes anxious. Takes a lot of the stress out of it. <laughs> it's, it's been good. I mean, I guess what happened to begin with is, is I was supposed to be the primary like OBS studio guy and, you know, record it and then Pat would be the backup. But then he had, we had to use the backup and then from there it, Pat somehow became the primary primary recorder guy, and and then it just got. Well, we never actually lost the podcast, so that's no, that's a good thing. No. There you go. But the quality's gone but, way up with Riverside. I've been excited about that. Uh, yeah. Going back to your your macro pad, yeah, uh, you guys do any three D modeling with you know Fusion three hundred and sixty or or SketchUp or anything like that? Have you oh. have you been able to use you know hotkeys on your macro? on your macro pad for, for those kind of programs? You, you know, I could, I haven't, um, I haven't really programmed it in yet, but, but yeah, certainly you certainly could do that, but no, I haven't really worked yeah. on it yet. So, yeah, I, I've used, um, I bought like a gaming, a Logitech gaming mouse, which I don't do hardly any gaming, but it has like all these buttons on the side. It's got like 12 buttons on, you know, next to my thumb. Oh, and then awesome. also like my my ring finger is a shift key so you basically have like 24 programmable buttons that can do whatever you want um so i've i've stuck because i do a lot of cad work and you know and then circuit board design and that kind of stuff so all these cad programs you have so many tools that you always need to be grabbing and i found it really handy to have like a gaming mouse but i don't use it for gaming i use it for all these hotkeys in, in these programs yeah extra buttons that you don't have to reach for are fantastic yeah because if you have to take your hand off that mouse to come all the way over to your keyboard, I mean, I know how much yeah. time that takes. Yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. It's true. Hey, yeah. you you ever use a uh, Space Commander, Zach? Uh, you seem... A Space Commander? That sounds like an arcade game. Um, Maybe it is. Is, is, that, is that the space mouse? The space mouse? Space mouse? Maybe it's maybe it's not called Space Commander, but it's it's is like it, a yeah, it's it like dead? a little rotary. Oh yeah, you got one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used one of these. Barely. So, yeah. Yes, I use this every time I have Fusion open. I have this. My left hand is is on this, so I I rarely have to. I mean, just typing in dimensions is the only thing I need to remove my hand for is is on the number pad. But yeah. So I mean, just to describe it, it's basically like a like a, a knob that you hold in your left hand and then you can press down on it, pull up on it, go left, right, et cetera, et cetera. And basically allows you to do any sort of 3D manipulation just with your your left hand pretty much. Is that is that correct? That's exactly right. Yeah, you ha it has six degrees of freedom. So like three rotational and three translational. And it, that can be overwhelming, you know, to a, you know, a new user. In fact, I bought, and they're not cheap. I think I paid hundred and twenty hundred and thirty dollars for for this version and it's wireless which is nice it just kind of sits there nice. but i i know that when i first started using it I, and i was in fusion i mean my model was flying away off into infinity and i couldn't get it back and and so i actually stopped using it for several months and then i came back to it and um and i i noticed maybe they had done a firmware update or something but i noticed that you could uh limit the number of of 
degrees of freedom in the software. So I like I limited I think it to just rotation. It doesn't do zoom. And so I practiced with that and got really good with that. And I just mm. spent a lot more time using it. And and then I, I kind of broke broke the ice there and got through that that learning curve. And then it, it worked a lot better for me after that. And then I turned on turned back on the you know full degrees mm. of freedom. And and I'm I'm pretty proficient with it. I I, I mean, I use it every time, so it, it nice. seems to be better workflow for me. Zach, I saw I accidentally when I was looking for a knob to print for this, I found a nice uh -huh. parametric knob on Thingiverse. I saw a macro pad on Thingiverse for your little puck guy that puts keys. I don't I didn't really? know I was going to need to remember this, but it puts keys around the See? one side of the thing, so you can touch them with with I don't oh, know where I. They have a different model. This is the most basic one. It's just that, just the puck that you kind of grab. They have one that ha it is a macro pad that has a, like a number pad on it and a whole bunch of other keys that you can assign. Um, but it's quite a bit more expensive, and I didn't I didn't feel like I'd use it. You will someday, Zach. You'll be <laughs> you'll be addicted to it, and you'll want more buttons. Yeah. Maybe the one with the buttons is the one they call the Space Commander. Maybe I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, though, Zach. You know, one thing. Um, one thing I bet you designed with using that is probably your. What do you even call it? Your one wheel, right? Is that? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah. My one wheel. I, I I I try not to say one wheel so that I don't get sued. Yeah. <laughs> and all, all of my documentation, you all of say, the YouTube videos, I I I did use the word one wheel, even though it's a a copyrighted word. I'm sure. So it's a, a single single wheel propulsion device. You used it. Yeah. In that. A uh, self balancing yeah. skateboard. Yeah, but I'll yeah. tell you what we we wanted to talk about that quite a bit. So why don't we sure. why don't we take our coffee break and then after that we'll come back and we'll 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 ask you lots of questions about Sounds that good. and maybe a few Sounds other good. questions. We'll just see. Sounds good. Hey guys, welcome to the coffee break. This is Jeremy Cook and Pat Regan as always. And as always on our coffee break, we're gonna read off our top five Patreons. First, we got Michael Sizer. Raptor, creatively spelled, Christina Kearney, Stuart Morrow, and Positive Waves. So thank you so much for supporting us. You know, it does it does cost some money to to run this, and obviously it costs our time. So it's it's good. It's awesome to know that people are interested enough to, to put their put their money put their money into it. So that's really really, really cool. Is. And yeah, and of course we and we appreciate Jeremy, that. Where do money. we where do we go to uh, become a patron? Well, it's, we I'm glad you asked, that. Pat. It's actually patreon.com slash the creativity podcast. So you can go there and you can pledge uh, $1 for the plastic level, $5 for the aluminum level. I think uh, I think $10 is the shack steel level and then some other. I think are these we even the actual have a, names? They are the names. I think the $1,000 level is the bad investment level. I, maybe. I, I don't know. I, you know. But we've got we've got higher levels if you guys want to if you want to sponsor us. But don't feel obligated. Don't feel obligated. We're we're we mostly don't want to be just pushy salesmen. I guess there's other ways you could support us, right? Right, Pat? Absolutely. I would be very excited if you hit the like button on this video, or if it's not a video, it might be a podcast on. Uh, can you upvote things? Can you like things on iTunes? I, th I know I th you can maybe? on SoundCloud. You can review us. You can review us on iTunes. Um, oh my goodness! If you reviewed up. us, I would be your best friend forever. Yeah, that's right. Best BFFs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us today, and we'll we'll get back to bite size and talk about one wheel unicycles or whatever it's called. We're not allowed one, to say one wheel, Jeremy. I'll single, bleep that out. Single wheel vehicles. Mono wheels. Not later. Right now. Well, welcome back from our coffee break, Jeremy. How was your coffee? Yeah, well, Welcome, welcome back, Pat. I'm actually, I'm actually drinking coffee today. It's it's cold coffee Are from really? from Costco. Yeah, I put a little bit of chocolate milk in it, so it's pretty, it's pretty tasty, I think. So uh, that's Zach, interesting. I, yeah, Zach, do you have any coffee today? Or yeah, I see you had a water bottle, so that's. Uh, yeah, I've just got my water bottle. You keep today. It, keeping keeping uh, keeping it clean today, I guess. So that's that's. Good. I finished my yeah, coffee before don't, I don't the coffee drink coffee, break. but I love the smell of coffee, man. My favorite thing is walking through an airport and just being inundated with that smell. Well, that's awesome. Well, it's too bad, too bad you can't just walk into airports these days. You got to go through security. Otherwise, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's been for a long time, though, Jeremy. 
a long, long. Yeah, time. it's been, it's been it's been a while. I mean, I don't know how old Zach is, but that might even be before his time. You know, we had a Kenny from Cloud Free called in, and he's he's like, yeah, you know, I was watching Seinfeld. I'm like thinking, wow, Seinfeld came out before you were born, or ended before you were born. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so one thing you could ride through the airport, presumably. I mean, before they stopped you, is is a uh, single wheel transportation device such as the one you built, right, oh. Zach? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So why yeah. don't you tell so us I, tell us about that? I I got interested in the the one wheel. They're like the self-balancing skateboard, you know, has a big fat like go-kart tire kind of in the middle. You stand on it like a skateboard, you know, you've got one foot in front of the other and um and it's a self-balancing device, so you kind of get once you get stood up on it, you can lean forward and you know, it, it propels you forward and then you can slow down. So it's, it's much like the Segway, you know, it's the same principle of this, um, you know, kind of inverted pendulum where you're, you're balancing on this, but as you, as you lean forward, that's what propels you forward. So there's no, um, you know, handheld remote control or anything like that. It's just based on your balance, but yeah, they're, they're, they have these devices and they're really cool. You start, I've started to see a lot more people ride them around and I thought that would be really fun to have. Do you know that when I, when I, I ride a similar device. But yeah. when people stop me and say, what is that? What do you do? Half the people you talk to understand if you tell them it's half a Segway. And the other half understand if you tell them it's half of a hoverboard. There you go. It depends oh, yeah. on how old they board. are. <laughs> it's, That's true. Because yeah. Segways, at, at this point, Segways came out like 20 years ago. That's, yeah, uh, forever. Yeah. 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 The kids know hoverboards and the adults yeah. Nobody know. Nobody writes Segways. That was but, supposed to be the transportation of the future, and it, it, I don't think it happened. I don't know. Yeah, because, yeah, Pat has, Pat has an electro unicycle, and, Zach, you've built a one or yeah, whatever, a skateboard-like a device. Yeah. I mean, the difference is, I guess, Pat's, yours, you stand in the middle, basically straddle the one wheel. Yep. You I'm know, skiing, and, you're looking forward. and Zach is snowboarding, snowboarding. on yes. pavement. That's okay. a good analogy. So yeah. does your does your unicycle have a seat or is it you're standing up? I stand. It stands up. Yep. Okay. Interesting. That'd be pretty funny if I had a seat, though. I mean, I don't and know. And it's, it's just... really hard well, to learn I... how to ride. It is hard. It's very hard. Uh, oh, some people imagine. take to it pretty quick, but it took me hours to be confident enough to just go in a straight line down the street. It's yeah. It's oh, fat. there's only one wheel, right? That's there's no way to steer. Yep, and it's not that fat tire wheel. like like you have on yours. It's a uh, it's two and a quarter. So how inches. big is the tire? It's a sixteen inch tall tire on mine, okay. and it's two and a quarter inches wide. Wow, that's not much. That's no. seems like it would be really difficult to balance. But the the weird thing is, it's the one wheel, and your board. You can ride slow. I can't really... It's very tiring for me to ride slow. Once you hit about six, seven miles an hour, it's like butter. It just goes... Well, it's almost and like, you a, don't... like a bike. A bike is really difficult to ride slow, but once mm -hmm. you kind of get that, you know, that momentum going up, it you kind of helps, helps you balance a little bit more. Yep. But those giant tires, like mine's a 16-inch, but they've got one up... There's The biggest one is 24 inches. And that's Whoa. just gigantic. That's, like that's like a mountain bike size, isn't it? It really is. Like, I can't even imagine what it must be like riding one like that. I've ridden a twenty inch, and I'm that's not sure like I'm, a I'm even tall enough. I might have that wheel up in a in the area. I'm not. I know, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> that's a big tire. <laughs> but yeah. it's so smooth. You hit you hit little bumps and things, and you don't you hardly you hardly feel them with those big sixteen and it's, inch. And is wheels. it a new mat? Is there like a a, a tube in there? Yeah, there is a tube. I think almost okay. every. I think there's it's only like one a, electric unicycle that comes without a tube. Is tubeless. It's not like a hard, like a hard rubber. No, you know, no. It's like a. Fully, it's a. You know. I think they're some kind of dirt bike tires or something. Okay. They're, I don't know what. Hmm. And they're sh they're they're they ship weird. Like mine's literally a 16 inch diameter tire. They say it's 16 inches, but that's not the size of the rim. You know, I'm used to, if you say it's a 16-inch mm. wheel, I think that's, that the, the rim. yeah, it's very, I don't know what kind of vehicle these tires actually come from. Hmm. Yeah. They come from a one-wheel unicycle, Pat. They must. Like, or wait, I guess there's only a one-wheel unicycle, isn't there? There's no, no such it's thing true. as a two-wheel <laughs> By definition, unicycle. right. <laughs> Some of the guys on YouTube that uh, do nothing but make videos about these things call them half e-bikes. 
sometimes or quarter cars <laughs> are the are the the uh the unicycles are they pretty expensive like in comparison to the the one wheels they're so much better value i think than the <clears throat> the actual official trademarked one wheels the first one i the first one i bought was a little 14 inch that was refurbished it was only 400 dollars. it has about mm -hmm. 15 miles of range and it'll do about 16 or 17 miles an hour Wow. And the one I've upgraded to has about I've put I've gone about 35 miles on a charge. It'll do 28 miles an hour. I've done 25 and I shouldn't go that fast. I don't have enough safety 25 gear. 25 on a unicycle? Yeah. That's and like... the scariest part about it is it's not scary to go 25. It's Really? It's just like oh, well, it was the first few, you know, in the first 100 miles yeah. it was scary, but now, if I don't, I have a warning beeper on there to tell me when I'm going over 20 because I don't feel like I would, I don't feel like it would be comfortable crashing at 25. Yeah. Does it have a, a pushback feature where it, where it will tilt you back up? It will tilt you back when you start to go too fast. It'll beep and then it'll beep more and then it'll tilt you back. There's gotcha. two or three levels of, but I'm also using, it has a Bluetooth speaker built in. And there's an app on my phone, and I can set another alarm sooner than the programmed alarms. And she tells me to slow down. Like, she literally says slow down. And I'm always embarrassed because I'll be passing someone, and she'll tell me to slow down. And I have to tell her, listen, you're embarrassing me. you got to shh. Don't, I didn't mean, I, like, I'm not trying to go this fast. I just want to get ahead of the guy that I'm passing. I don't want to. Yeah. So, so it's got a Bluetooth speaker on it, so it plays songs from your, your phone it on can. it? It can. So can. I don't do that, but it'll also have, the app has yeah, like speed, speed-adjusted, pitch-adjusted motor noises. Like, there's a motorcycle noise is the default. Oh, but that's I put ridiculous. in the I downloaded the Jetsons car. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say from the Jetsons. And do you, I play do you also, real I play do you also it real quiet because people don't spokes? hear me coming. It's a lot like a baseball card in the spokes. But I scare people all the time because you don't make any noise and I just you know, I tell them I'm on their left or something when they're walking on the bike trail and they jump. It's like I don't mean to scare you. I just it, it's just everything's too quiet. So when I play that little bit of noise, people don't get scared anymore. There you go. Pat, Pat told me that I guess he was riding down the street or something, and and this lady's on the phone, and she says, "Oh, it's that guy again." <laughs> like apparently, Pat's like a celebrity in in a plane or probably Texas in general where he lives. The whole thing. So, they, I, well, how many thing. people are riding electric unicycles around, right? Just, just them. I, I Tim and you. That's that's all. That's all there yeah. are. I've run into three of us, and we have a little. There's a little e-skateboard group here in town and there's another three or four unicycles in the skateboard group i think you guys like go, go go harass people and like like you a know. biker gang it's like a biker yeah. gang yeah. you guys like be like oh you know you go to different uh like restaurants like oh you should pay us some protection just if something were to happen <laughs> you know you know we could Which maybe you know take care of it for you guy. yeah if it <laughs> I'm that guy. It's, it's, the, and it's too it's like hot the here to wear the leather jackets and stuff and the the chaps and everything. I can't say what kind of chaps I'm talking about. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah. But Zach, though, we, we'd like to hear yeah. about your, your skateboard. You, you built this yourself, and I believe it was just under seven hundred dollars, not including all the tools that you used. Is that right? Is that yeah, right? I tried. My yeah, so that was kind of the the impetus. Was I was like, I, I would love to ride one of those, but I don't have two thousand dollars plus to to buy one, and I I'm pretty sure I could make one for cheaper than that. So, uh, yeah, I kind of started. I went down a deep rabbit hole one night and stayed up way too late on my phone in bed, kind of researching this and watching a bunch of other people who've done it and, and learning what kind of things I needed. And I, and the more I learned about it, it was like, Oh, there's, this would probably be easier than I thought. Cause a lot of it's been done before. I'm not the first person to do it by any means. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a fairly well-documented process. Um, there was still quite a bit of research and, and troubleshooting and, and problem solving, but yeah, I, I, started ordering some parts I found it's a it's a 10 inch you know brushless hub motor um, it's kind of like I think they use go-kart you know kind of a go-kart tire so it's it's like six and a half inches wide or something it's a real big fat tire and um, it's got the hub motor you can stand on these while you're not up. moving they're so wide right you can just kind of um, 
I, I mean, if you're... yeah, it, yeah, because you, you've got two feet to balance, and you know you can you can you can balance fairly easily on them. Um, I mean, it takes it takes practice. It's not like anybody would just jump up there and be able to do it immediately. It, there's some I think there's some practice involved, but, but yeah, I would imagine it's a lot easier than a, than a unicycle because you've got two feet and a lot more stability. Sure. But, um, yeah. So I I kind of started that that the hub motor. I ordered that from Ally AliExpress and. Um, is actually, I think the, the shipping was just as much as the, as the hub motor. It was really expensive to get over here and it took a few weeks. Um, and is the sub motor, is this the same sort of motor that's used on a, um, hoverboard or is it different? Than I that? think it's, I think it's bigger. I mean, it's a hub motor. Well, I guess it could, I guess it is, I guess the, the hoverboards do use a hub motor because yeah, it's the motor is, is encased inside, um, inside the hub. Um, and, but I, but I, this one has the axle traveling all the way through, whereas like a hoverboard would just have an axle on one side. You know, right, it doesn't okay. stick out the other side. So you'd have just a single axle as, as opposed to a through axle. Um, so yeah, okay. the axle kind of sticks sticks out both sides of the wheel. Um, and so I kind of jumped on to Fusion 360 and started designing a frame and I just got some aluminum t- rectangular tubing and I do a lot of design work in Fusion just to kind of work out bugs before they happen. I, I'm, I'm not the type of person that will just kind of build it without a plan. I, I like to have a, you know, almost fully finished model before really starting on things. Um, so I have like a, a full featured model in Fusion of, of this, of this, um, of this one wheel and kind of went from there. And I, and I, so I used the aluminum tubing as kind of the two main frame rails and then, um, I designed some enclosures uh, on the ends to hold the battery and the electronics and stuff, and I, I 3D printed those. Um, and then I put on some little bumpers, again, 3D printed, and put on some RGB LED strips for my front light and my tail light, and uh, kind of went from there and put it all together. It really looks like a fantastic build. Well, oh, yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah. I'm, You're welcome. I'm really proud of it. It was a lot of work and, and a lot of fun. How long do you think it took you to build it? Well, the design work took probably just as long or longer than, you know, than, than the actual building. Um, and it takes and three times longer when you film it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Filming always slows things down. Um, I don't know. It took me, I would say, I mean, 3D printing the parts, you know, if you get those, that's that takes a long time. But that's not like something you have to sit there and do, right? You just kick it off and you can go do something else have it run overnight. I mean, they're big parts too. I, I, right. I used up every bit. I have a, uh, an, our, an artillery sidewinder 3d printer. Hmm. It's got a build volume of 300 millimeters by 300 millimeters and then a 400 millimeter, uh, Z axis. So a it's got really a really big, big boy. Volume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I used, I, you know, that 300 by 300, I was right up against the limits on that for these, for the battery enclosure and stuff. So yeah, I ended up going, I was trying to spec out a battery. This was one of the things that um, kind of dictated the design a lot more than I had realized, uh, was finding a, a suitable battery. And I, I actually found it, it's an e-bike battery is what it was what it was designed for, but it's a really big, um, how much was it? I think, I can't remember the specs on it, but it was like close to like one kilowatt hour of, of of capacity, which is a crazy amount. I mean, this is a, this is a big old battery. It's like the size of a, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and about three inches thick. That's about how big my battery is, is about. Yeah. And it weighs probably 25 pounds. It's, it's really bad. It is. Um, so, so, and I chose that because I wanted to have like a really long range. I could have gotten a smaller one. Um, and, and, and the overall design would have been a lot smaller, but fitting that big old battery in there was, what made the design a lot bigger than than I had originally planned? So, so that battery, though, I mean, you know, just thinking about how this works. I mean, you've got a, I guess, just a little sketch up here. That's not. Let's see, sketch. I mean, basically, you got a, you got a, you got a wheel in the middle, right? Yep. And you got a battery on one side. Does that make the, yep. does that make the, um, you know, the weight kind of unbalanced? Yes. Very okay. unbalanced. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, like, when it sits on the ground, it it, it obviously tilts towards the side with the battery but i mean i'm 
I weigh a lot more than the battery, so it's pretty easily overcome. Um, you know, I, could, I just have to lean a little bit. More. My body weight can more than compensate for that that unbalance. Okay, so so you I assume the battery's probably on the back. So you always start out on the back with the yeah. your left or right foot, and then you press down. Uh, exactly. I guess depending on if you right goofy yeah. foot or a normal foot is that i guess that's how the skateboarders say it still and snowboarding yeah that's how i that's how i went with it and i'm not sure if that was the best way but it, it feels very comfortable to stand on the side you know the, with the battery on it and then i put my my front for my front foot on there and, and kind of lean forward and that seems to work very well okay nice so how, how um, far have yeah. how far have you gone with this this device so i was i was doing some range testing um, but it was, I was living in Arizona up until a few weeks ago and it was really hot. <laughs> and so actually some of the 3d, I, I used uh, PLA for the 3d printed parts, which I knew weren't going to do very well, but it's what I had on hand. And some of the parts started melting, uh, the, the parts that I was standing on. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, it, it's really hot in Arizona. I mean, it's, it's pretty brutal. So they started melting and then I had uh, a little bit of a crash on the, on the asphalt, which sort of, uh, abruptly ended my testing, <laughs> my testing phase. So, um, and then I ended up, I was getting ready to, to move uh, up here to Utah. So I kind of had to put that on the back burner, but I've got it here and, and I'm s still getting settled in, but I, I hope to do some more range testing. But I think that that battery is about three times the capacity of the commercial one wheel. Really? Um, and I, yeah, that, so that's it, a good should, size. it should put like, you know, I, I, I think I did some back of the envelope calculations. I want to do some experimental ones, but like I should be able to get close to like 50 or 60 mile range on that. That's, that's, which a, is long, that's a long way. That's like it's a really long way. I mean, I don't know. Everybody knows how long that is, you know, for most of us, it's farther than way. you want to go in one trip. Yeah. yeah I right. mean, that's more than, yeah, more than you would go on one trip for sure. But one of the things about these self-balancing anything, you don't want to run the battery too close to empty. Because that's what's keeping, you need the, you know, the, the more you discharge a battery, the less power it has available to keep you upright. Yeah. So your top this speeds one has aren't the of, same anymore. A lot of the same safety features built in. Um, you know, it, it'll start doing a tilt back, at, you know, as you start getting lower. So it won't let you run the battery too low. And, it'll, mm -hmm. and you can even have it shut off before it gets too okay. low. And you can all set that. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about the the motor controller that's in the the one that i built so there's uh, a motor controller called the vesc v-e-s-c mm -hmm. and that's uh, a guy named i think his name is benjamin vetter so v and, for and Vest, vetter and then, I, th I thought it was very electronic speed control isn't that what that stands for <laughs> yeah. yeah very electronic so it's yeah but so yeah so the esc is electronic speed control and then the guy who designed it his last name was vetter so it's the v-e-s-c uh -oh. Um, and it was actually a really cool find in this project. I had not, I'd seen them, I'd seen other people use them in various projects, um, but there's actually been a lot of development in the software for this particular ESC. And it's all like, you know, clicking some buttons to get this balancing stuff to work. I had, I had, a, I had, had anticipated having to write Arduino code and use it, you know, uh, uh, an accelerometer and all that kind of stuff to and write the balancing app and all the PID control and all that kind of stuff. I had totally anticipated having to do all that work. And it comes to find out that I, I can just push a few buttons and have, and have it work. Really? So that was really so, awesome. Yeah. To, to find out that, that, that VS VESC has that capability. So, so what runs it from a control standpoint? I mean, it's not just the VASC as it. you've got some sort of Arduino or something on it, correct? No, it that VESC has a microcontroller really? on it. Yeah, it's got a. In fact, it's way more capable than than a typical Arduino you know, so, microcontroller. So you, so you literally, it's literally plug and play. You don't have. I to... mean, yeah, it's 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 plug and play, and and you can configure it in software. You basically, it's got a USB port on there, so you just plug it into your computer, and you open up the software. You go through the little menus, and there's like a setup wizard to get all of the things set up, and and you can kind of tune the PID. Um, control loop and you can kind of fine-tune all that but also you can also export a configuration file so that's what I I've done I've kind of got got it set up to how I like it and I can just export this you know configuration file and if somebody else wanted to build one that all they'd nice. have to do is just load up that configuration file I'm very well, jealous well, that you can configure the software on your wheel all the most I can really do is there's a soft medium and hard 
uh-huh. mode for how and you can feel and, the difference when it's in soft you can feel that yeah. the pedals dip a bit before you start moving and it's way more comfortable to ride in soft yeah. but i think with the I, I think with the commercial one wheels they have different riding profiles you know you can you can be like a real aggressive profile or kind of a, a you know a beginner profile and, and so you can kind of configure those and, that, and you'd be able to do the same thing with these config files yeah that's fantastic so well, that's awesome so so have i know you put out some fairly good fairly involved instructions on how to build one have, has anybody else followed your designs and built one as far as you yeah, know so, so i i did three videos on it and and the purpose of the videos was not to detail every single exact step on how to build one because that would have gotten really tedious and very long mm-hmm. um so it's just more of an overview but i went into a lot of detail and i built a uh, or i wrote up a build guide um, if somebody wanted to build their own. So I put a lot of time and effort into kind of creating a build guide and documentation. I have a parts list, you know, bill of materials. I have all the 3D printing files. Um, and yeah, if somebody wanted to build that, they, they'd be able to do that. So how long would it take somebody, you think, since with using your instructions, or do you, do you not even know? I, I have no idea. I mean, okay. it, it, I would guess, you know, maybe three weekends. Oh, that's you know, not that's not too bad. Uh, no, and maybe maybe that's even an overestimation. You know, like I said, like the three D printing parts is what takes a long time, and, and um, drilling a few holes in the aluminum rails and kind of assembling it all together, and yeah, that's about nice. it. And you you sell those plans on your website, I guess, or is that? Yeah, yeah, I have those. So all of the the design files and stuff I actually released as open source. They're on GitHub. Um, awesome. And then, and so if somebody wants to build it, they can totally follow along with those. But the build guide, it's a PDF with step-by-step instructions and pictures and a lot of extra little things that I learned along the way are kind of uh, tucked away in that build guide. And that's what I'm selling on my website. Okay. And and, I mean, it's so where can we find that? Um, Bitesizeengineering.com. Okay. So, and, and how yeah. much, I'm just curious, how much would one of these build guides be? So the build guide costs $20. Oh, $20 um, like, for like... You know, it's so how many hours do you work? It's it's way worth oh, it. Oh yeah, I mean, I put so, in I put in a lot of work into that. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, it's like forty pages long of documentation and pictures and and kind of um, hopefully things that will help people. To so there you go. That's that's. Zach, did you know somebody's selling a kit to build a one wheel like? Is it the float? Yes. The float wheel? Yes, yeah. but it seemed terrifying. The only way to pay for it is with Bitcoin or something. I so was... I, I ran down that rabbit hole and I was like, oh, well, all I have to do is just buy this kit. And then I'm looking on their YouTube videos and it's like, we're currently being sued by one wheel, but don't worry, guys. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, maybe. So they were uh, using um, partial, partial things that they've designed and then part... Um, like accessories that you can buy from one wheel and like that was their kit is like you have oh, to buy okay. you know, bits right, and well. pieces from each of them mostly i was going to suggest that maybe you should be selling a few of the a few of the, like maybe make the rails or something and sell them and let people do the the long parts like the 3d printing themselves good, good, or yeah. i mean i don't know which parts they tell you to I, make i thought but... about it and, and and just seeing the writing on the wall with that company i didn't really yeah. want to flirt with that too much um and so i figured that a build guide is you know, hey, here's a DIY, and I don't, I don't call it the one wheel in my build guide. I call it the open wheel, because um, it the design files are open source and it's kind of an open wheel. So, um, I just call it the open wheel. I don't use their name at all, and it's just a build guide to build your own self balancing skateboard. So I'm trying to stay away from any litigation. It's half an e bike. Right. Yeah, half, half, an, half an e bike. The half e bike. So, um, quarter of a Tesla. Right? You're doing a good job, Zach. Yeah, you're doing it. I I think that's right. So thanks. Well, is there anything anything else you're working on now, Zach? I, I assume. I mean, this this is a mature project at this point. So is there anything like oh, what's your next project? project? It is still a very prototype, and that's what I'm hoping. If people will jump on and 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 work on this, and they can help me, you know, refine the design and figure out problems. You know, I'm still having a couple of issues with the 3D printed parts that I have, and so it's very much experimental. It's not. And, you know, not a finished product by any means. Sure. Zach, I have 1,500 miles on my two unicycles. And I wow. tried to get on a one-wheel, a one-wheel pint, and my uh-huh. brain just can't figure it out. I keep. You've already trained your brain to do the... the yeah, unicycle. I don't understand. And they were making fun of me because it's supposed to be easier to do. And I'm... <laughs> I mean, I know I could figure... If I spent, you know, 10 minutes playing with yeah. it, I'd be able to figure yeah. it out. But 
I could not get right on and do it. It was... Yeah. I kept wanting to lean... I guess I'm trying to lean what would be sideways on the one wheel. And I and it was a one <laughs> wheel pint, and they have that round... They're smaller, wheel. yeah. It's yeah. a little different. But, yeah, yeah I, f I felt a yeah. little dumb. Well... I'm okay with well, that though. I'm sure. I'm sure you look really cool on the unicycle. No, so that makes up. I def. I absolutely know that I don't look cool. Well, no, you're recognizable. I mean, people know who you are on the street. That's true. I'm that guy. You're that you're guy. That, you're that guy. <laughs> so yeah, you should. You know, you should wear a. I mean, we don't have one. We should. You should have like a the creativity podcast shirt or something, and you could like advertise for us. Do we have one? We don't have one. <laughs> so we got stickers though. I guess. Share me. <laughs> you could put the sticker on your shirt. But yeah, as far as other, other projects that I have going, I always have things going. Um, I always, like many makers, struggle to find the time to, to do everything that I want to do. Um, but yeah, one of the projects on the horizon is I would like, to, I would love to have a laser cutter. And I want one that has a bigger, a bigger work area than like the Glowforge has. And I want more, more power. I think the Glowforge is like a 40 watt laser. You should so definitely talk to Jeremy list. about lasers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, I, I, did, I got a uh, red, red and black laser last year. And I actually did a video on it. So you can, you know. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. If you like checking that out. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, supposedly it's 60 watts. 60 watts, but yeah. I think it's more like 50 watts. Yeah. And it's a yeah. 20 by 28 build area, I think. So it, that's, I've been that's fairly extre large, yeah. extremely happy with it. But it did take, you know, it took a couple months to get it. Is it the K40 style? The uh, laser? The K40 no, is a, the smaller one. one. But yeah, it's, this one's it, quite a bit bigger. It's like a much bigger K4. It's got wheels. You know, it's a whole. Oh, okay. And yeah. we had, I only know this because at, the, at our makerspace, we have the 80-watt version of his, of Jeremy's okay. 6. And the only difference is it's a bigger tube. They actually tacked on a piece of sheet metal to extend yeah. a little nubbin yeah. out the one side to fit a longer yeah as tube long in. as you could fit your tube in i guess it doesn't matter what size you're using although your power supply would have to be you know 20 spent. watts bigger yeah yeah to fit it. But yeah um, that's kind of been that's been a project that i've wanted to do for a long time and uh, in fact there's a guy uh his name is uh rob rob chesney or something he's from new zealand and he did a full custom build laser um, a couple years ago, and he did something very similar where he he built like a, a build guide or he wrote a build guide, and I, I purchased that because I was like, this is I'm sure there's a lot of good information in here. So, um, but he did sure. a, a whole series on his channel. Um, it's called Further Fabrication is his YouTube channel, but okay. um, he did a really really great job documenting his build process, and it only you know ignited the fire even further in me. I was like, I got I got to do the same thing. So, um, yeah. so I, I would love to love to build my own. Well, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I didn't build my own laser, but I did do quite a bit to, sure. to cust customize it. So yeah, I don't know. well, I look forward to, to checking that out. Yeah. Well, well, Pat, you are you working on anything um, anything interesting these days? Uh, maybe well, maybe Uber lights. Well, I do have the Uber lights boards here. These are. I don't want to talk too much about these because I talk about okay. them all the time. But we've got this little uh, PCB here. This is the size of a five and a quarter inch drive bay. So these are uh, RGB LEDs. We're adding a third set. And it's going to show things like, you know, CPU usage and network usage and things. But this has been on the back burner because my designer, he's he told me we're not doing this until KiCad 6 gets released. Is 6 the next one? And that's been taking a while. And then now there's shortages of all the electronic stuff. So I'm not too worried about being too fast. But... I have a project working, Jeremy, but I can't show it to you because I'm sitting in this chair and all my lights are overrunning. Okay. Oh, it's, it's like a sensor chair for you. I have a chair sensor in this uh, recliner over here. It's a, it's an airbag sensor for the seat, the passenger seat of a car wired into a, a Node MCU board and it's plug, plumbed into Home Assistant. So... It won't turn it's, it's the light plumb? off in you're here. Using, you're using uh, water to, to power this? Is that? Uh, it's electric. It's electrons. Oh. It's plugged oh, okay. with electrons through the air. It's so through magical. Through the air. It is, it is, <laughs> it is truly magical. But I'm really that excited take, that that's working. And you've inspired me to try something, Jeremy. Okay, I hope because that's a good thing. Because of your, your uh, macro pad. 
Oh yeah. When I printed when I printed one of these knobs, it was loose, and that got me thinking. Why can't I tap the knob instead of hitting keys? Like tap the four corners of the knob. Cor well, I don't oh, know that okay. it has corners. So I picked up. I picked up a bag of accelerometers, and I just got th these arrived last night. I just got it working, and then put it away. But I want to see if I can use an accelerometer to detect. Oh, inside inside the knob. That's well, maybe not. It's I. But I maybe? can't pick this up either because it's attached to my headphones. But I've got this little Bose puck volume knob over here. But I'm thinking just a volume knob, no buttons, and you can tap, double tap on the. Yeah. You know, just well, that on sounds, the. That sounds. That sounds awesome, Pat. That's, I'm I, about fifty never... percent sure that it can be done, and then I'm about ten percent sure that I can make it happen. So. Sixty <laughs> percent of the time, it works all the time. Yes. We hope so. <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you got going on? So yeah, I guess the macro pad's probably my I guess my biggest biggest project these days. Just because can we buy you know, you the make, macro pad, Jeremy? You you can actually. I'm selling it on Tindy. Uh, it's, it's, I call it the JC Pro Macro because it uses a Pro Micro board. You sometimes call it Arduino Pro Micro board, and my name's Jeremy Cook, so JC Pro Macro. So that's been my my big project. Just trying to adapt it for different different uses. You know, using uh, I've got a kind of Final Cup Pro mode I'm working on, and even got something where you guys ever played this game called Slither.io? You guys know what I'm talking about? Basically, you you control this snake like around the around the screen. So basically, I've got it. So if you press a button, it'll offset the mouse a certain amount, and then when you turn it, it turns your mouse cursor so the snake's following it. It's kind of silly, but Kind of, kind of fun way to play. So, That's cool. yeah. two people Great. on my Discord server are already excited and ordering your macro pad, Jeremy. Well, I, 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 I think you might their... not be charging enough. Is you think? <laughs> well, is you what know I what? might they're... be learning. <laughs> they, they are welcome to uh, give me a donation. I, I suppose. If, if they... <laughs> That's really um, cool. You guys are both doing uh, PCB related projects. I, I know we're, we're low on time, but it would be fun to get together and, and talk more about that sometime. I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I want to know what, what software you guys use and how you feel about selling on Tindy and all that kind of stuff. It'd be fun. Well, just, just a short answer. I use KiCad or KiCad, depending on what you say, how you say it. And how am I supposed so, to say it, Jeremy? I, I think you can say it either way. I, I think I go back and forth in my head. And I've then, always um, said PCAD, but I don't know. That's fine. But I've, I've, heard, I've heard it both ways. Um, and then selling on Tindy, I, I think, is awesome. It, it's a great, great platform. And I'm perhaps a little biased because I write for their blog, too, and they, you know, pay me for that. So, yeah. But, you know, I guess I'm uh, not just a advertiser. I'm a customer. Whatever the guy said in the hair club for men, you know, I'm not just, I mean, I'm not the president of Tindy, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm involved in all aspects of Tindy at this point. So cool. Does that make sense? Very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been happy selling on Tindy. I don't sell a lot, and I do. I don't know how to design a PCB, Zach. A friend of mine is doing. We're we're trying to go into business together here. I guess is you don't the, know how to design one yet. Yet, this is yet. true. Well, I I don't know. I guess this is a good place to end it, guys. I I don't know. Uh, I don't want to. If you got anything yeah, else I, to tell, tell the world, Zach, we don't want to, we want to give you the opportunity, of course. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. I had a lot of fun and, and uh, chatting with you guys about this. Yeah, this was awesome. And you know, Jeremy, we missed an important uh, thing here. What's that? Zach, where can we find you on the internet? If people have never heard of you before and our huge um, audience you, would want to find you where, uh, I am mostly on, uh, YouTube, um, my channel is called Bite Sized, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E-D. Um, so that's probably the best place to find me. And then I've got a website, bitesizeengineering.com. And then I and then I am on Instagram, but I'm not very active on Instagram, I'll be honest. So where can we find you, Pat, if we wanted to to find you? Well, I pretend to have a YouTube channel, but I never post anything. But uh, you can find me on my blog at uh, patshead.com. And nice. I haven't been writing there enough lately either, so I'm doing a I'm doing a bad job. But well, you know, there's like three hundred thousand words up there now at this point, so there's got to be something useful there. I hope. That's a couple books, right? So sure, I guess I don't know. It's at least three yeah, novellas. 
<laughs> and, and you can find me at, at jeremyscook.com or if you look up uh, Jeremy S. Cook on Twitter or YouTube, you should you should get to me. Or And if you don't, it'll be somebody else called Jeremy S. Cook. And, and he might be good people uh, too. He might be. He might be right. I don't. I don't so know. So like and so. subscribe that guy also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah. Well, Zach, say, thanks so much for coming on, Pat. Always Thank a pleasure you, to talk to you. And uh, always good to talk to you, Jeremy. And yeah, it was yeah. fun to meet you, Zach. This was awesome. Likewise. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>